Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's podcast, we have our very first podcast filmed in front of a live studio audience with Mr. Ryan Tuckwood. Ryan is one of the co-founders and he is the CEO of ISR Training. Now, ISR Training are one of the only companies in Australian Shark Tank history to get invested in by three of the sharks. So they uh, they went through and went through a hard pitch and uh, they were able to close three of the sharks on investing in their company and becoming part of their company. So on this episode, you know, if you've ever done sales and you've thought, I don't know why I couldn't overcome that objection, I don't know why that person didn't buy from me, then this is the episode for you, right? So, and Ryan is also one of our speakers at our upcoming Certified Ballers Live event, which you can check out at www.certifiedballerslive.com.au. It is an amazing event coming up and he's gonna be sharing their Swish method, which is selling with integrity and selling honestly, because you don't wanna be doing the old uh, pushy sales. You don't wanna be doing the old, oh, I'm gonna you know, over, overwhelm people and I don't want them to know what I'm doing. I'm sneakily gonna sell them something. You wanna be selling with integrity and making sure that you sell honestly as well. So if you've ever had any of those thoughts when you've been doing sales, you need to listen to this episode. And like I said, if you haven't already, head over to www.certifiedballerslive.com you and grab yourself a ticket, you're going to want it, right? You're going to want to need, uh, get one and you're going to need to be there. So otherwise, let's jump into the episode in front of our live studio audience. ready for it. But so the first question that I would love to find out from you is that a lot of the time, today we've been all talking about sales. A lot of the time people feel like sales is bad, sales is hard, um, sales people are slimy, things, a lot of things like that get thrown around. What made you go into sales to start off with? Like what, what drew you to sales? Um, nothing. No, uh, everything drew me away from sales. Um, so I had all the preconceived misconceptions I think of sales people before I moved over to Australia. So I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade. I was a mechanical maintenance engineer for, for eight years back in the UK. So I'm very methodical, sort of process orientated um, person. Um, what forced me into sales would be coming over here as a backpacker and only working for any one company for six months. I don't know if any Brits in, in the room. Um, so you, it's really, really hard to find work. Um, long, long story short, I ended up on the Gold Coast, which is a beautiful place to be, but the only job I could find was in a call center. Um, so working in a call center for everybody or anybody that's done it know, will know that it's, it's not actually that fun. Um, and it's even worse when you're not very good at it. So um, um, I'm not sure where the ne next questions are going to go, but it might go further into that story. But the bottom line is I fell into a call center because I had no other options. Um, I didn't want to be in sales. Um, so kicking and screaming. Um, and then I got to a bit of a crisis point when I realized I wasn't very good at sales. I was bottom of the sales board out of 21 people um, and I was bottom of the board for three months straight. And if you've ever been in a call center, you'll know that they, they advertise that to everybody because they're call, in the call center there is a board and it says Ryan Tuckwood is 21st out of 21 people. So you're shit and they tell everybody you're shit at the same time. <laughs> so, um, you can't hide. My crisis point um, would be that um, I got to a stage where I had 31 cents in my bank and I was sleeping on a bathroom floor and it was, do I go home to the UK, back to my comfort zone, my engineering job and my mum and dad that love me, or do I try and master, if you can possibly master, the true art of sales and negotiation and I guess that might lead you into where you might be over the next questions of how we come to be where we are today, like I'm just, not sure. It's kind of just answering, all, asking all my questions for me. <laughs> yeah. but what, so at that point, 31 cents on the bathroom floor, what did you do? Like, because obviously the next day you still would have had 31 cents. Like, what was that? Like, what was that part from there? Because I think a lot of people have had that experience where in business it's been tough mm. and it stays tough. And then there is a time when you make a decision that you're going to do something about it. Yeah. But the next days are still tough. Like, they don't get easier just because you made that decision. What was that like for you? Sure. So, um, my, my, I remember the, the, the decision, decision point really clearly. Um, so, if you can picture me sleeping on a real kind of narrow bathroom floor, this is not a made up story, this is a true story. Um, I was in Broad Beach on the Gold Coast um, and I'm on a lilo and in the middle of the night that lilo pops. So it go, it, there's a big bang, shit myself, and then all of a sudden I just go <laughs> And I'm laying on this cold tile floor and I'm just thinking, what the hell? Like, where? Like, if you followed me on Facebook at the time, I was living the dream, like all my friends and family back home thought I was killing it. Um, but the reality is I was, I was a poor salesperson, I was a poor person, I was having arguments with my now wife Alicia because I was doing a job I didn't enjoy and making no money. 
Um, so I went into work the next day and I spoke to uh, my sales manager at the time, which was Jack, who you just saw on um, Shark Tank, and um, I told him I was quitting. So I said, mate, look, I'm obviously not very good at selling. Um, this is not for me, it's affecting me. It was giving me levels of anxiety. I don't think I got a depression, but I was definitely getting a level of anxiety. Um, I'm gonna go back to the UK. Um, and that day, Jack challenged me. He, he said to me, you've not even tried. And I was like, I, I bloody have tried. I have to make 300 dials a day, damn right I've tried. He goes, you haven't. He goes, you, you have not fanatically obsessed over sales, body language, NLP, emotional intelligence, behavioral science. So he sent me a 60 day challenge to do that. And he said to me, if in 60 days you're still 21st on the board, I will pay for your flight home, but you go home with your head held high knowing you gave this a really good go. Um, good I was like, fair enough, like, yeah. I can't <laughs> afford my flight. So um, I was gonna call mum and dad. Um, and anyway, so, th so that next day, I literally started consuming as much information as I could around sales and negotiation, whatever that may look like. Um, and within five weeks, I went from 21st to first. Wow. And I was like, oh, holy shit, this is a learned skill. Like for the first time, I did, I, like, you saw Jack. Jack is linguistically talented. He's a natural sort of entrepreneur, started his first business at the age of 14. Um, I was a 28-year-old bloke who'd never sold a thing before in their life and, and hated the idea of being a salesperson. So. Because I, because I had all those misconceptions, I didn't actually want to learn sales. Mm. And when I had no other choice, I realized this is a learned skill. So then I became obsessed with it. Um, and then again, that led to me becoming sales manager, general manager within 14 months. Jack retired at 22, wow. and I took over running a company of 47 people. Uh, wow, and well done. <laughs> my, my mantra in life now is just always go to bed more educated than when you wake up. So I've just become fanatical about, not, 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 not sales, but buying behaviors in general, like the psychology of human behaviors. I yeah. love it. So, That's epic. Yeah. So then, okay, so he's retired. You're the general manager. When does ISR come into play? How does that happen? Um, Pretty soon after, so, so what, what happened was, um, anybody know, if I said to you guys, right now, I'm a sales trainer from the Gold Coast, how does that make you feel? Ooh. You can be honest, to be honest, yeah. I've heard it all Creepy before. Or, yeah, yeah. I, I've, heard, I've heard it, um, and, and, and we know that. And, and as I said earlier, I had all the preconceived ideas about salespeople. The organization that I worked at, Jack had, Jack had retired, Jack left, there was a new management that come in, and they validated all of those misconceptions that I had. That, Salespeople were bully-like, manipulative. They were not about the consumer. They were all about making money, smash people over the head, Jordan Belfort-esque, try and make as much money as quickly as possible. And it didn't sit well with me. So the higher up I got, the more money I earned, but the more I saw behind the scenes. And then I realized this is not for me. Like this, this isn't sitting well with me. So um, I could see that Jack was retired, but also putting on weight, not looking after himself. And I'm like, mate, what are, what are you doing? What am I doing? This is not right. Um, I've really enjoyed training people. I started to realize I had a, a bit of a skill, I guess, of taking people like myself that had no sales experience and turning them into something special through elegant sales training, which is what we called it initially, um, in a short amount of time. Yeah. So we had a discussion about what we could create and then ISR was, ISR was formed in 2014, um, just purely with the sole mission to change the perception of sales. That's, that's all we want to do is just get people thinking about sales in another light. That, you can tell the truth, you can be a good person, and you can influence and inspire people to take action for the, good, for, for the greater good of everybody and make money in the process as well. There's nothing wrong with making money. Um, and that's where Swish was formed, selling with integrity, selling honestly. Yeah, I love that. And so you started that, you're growing, you're helping change the conception of salespeople, mm -hmm. and then you're starting to work with clients like you guys are now, like Westpac, uh, Westpac Private Banking, Amex, and things like that. How did you trend? Was it just, did you start going straight into those bigger corporates to try and help them with their sales? Like what was kind of the process there? Because I would, like most people would agree, that's some pretty impressive people to be working with and helping them in their, in their world of sales. Yeah, um, firstly, thank you for that. But it, it definitely wasn't from day one. No, we were, we were quite strategic with it. I mean, I went through a bit of a, how do I explain it? Like a mental battle. After, after realizing the company that I worked at weren't looking after people, um, it started to affect me. I'm like, oh my God, I've done wrong by all these people. And we wanted to like give back. So the, what, what we created by accident or intent, it worked out really well, was um, a, a non-for-profit recruitment agency. So we would take job seekers that were looking for sales work and we would train them up free of charge. And then we would go to the businesses and we'd say, hey, we've got XYZ, they've got no sales experience, but we're gonna put them through a two-day boot camp. Will you employ them if we train them? And, and Jack and I had a good name for ourselves in the community as good salespeople. So they were like, well, are you training them? Absolutely. So what we started to do was, was doing that constantly. And we, we had like a 
success rate with placing people into work. We're placing like 30, 35 people a week into work, wow. free of charge. Yeah. Um, and the way we would make our money is that you would only pay us if you got a job. So you paid us $99 a week out of your wage for 10 weeks. If you didn't get a job, you had free training. Job, no risk for the business, no risk for the job seeker. Mm. And it was unbelievable. Um, so we placed 2,500 people into work over about two and a half years. It's crazy. Um, and the stat you would have heard on there is we saved the government $17 million on Centrelink payments. Yeah. So that kind of really thrust us into the limelight, won a couple of awards um, as sales trainers. Essentially, mm. that's what we were, but we were in a recruitment format. Um, and then obviously, whether stupid or silly um, or bright, we went on Shark Tank, Jack's idea. Um, uh, there was long-winded story about it being my wedding anniversary, so I actually couldn't go on initially. So I, I didn't do my police checks and psychiatric testing, so I had to kind of wait in the wings. Um, went on there, and obviously that gave us another level of credibility. And the first thing Andrew Banks said to us, who Andrew's obviously in recruitment, was, why are you still doing recruitment? Mm. It's the least monetized, most time-consuming part of your business. You've proved yourself as sales trainers. Why are you not just going all in with enterprise-type companies? Mm. And we were like, because it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was our answer. And he was like, are you a charity or are you a business? And then Steve Baxter was chiming in, obviously. Um, yeah. And it was at that point, literally within about two weeks of them coming on board, we, we stopped recruiting completely. Wow. Um, and we just went all in with approaching businesses as sales training. Um, so that, we didn't go straight to like your Mercedes and Amex and Westpac, uh, but we worked our way up SMEs all the way through. So we still work with independent business owners, owner operators, people that are in startup that got ideas, but obviously the the big goal was to get into some of those fortune 500 and asx 100 companies yeah and you're crushing it that's awesome yeah, we're getting there and so um so obviously you're coming over to certified ballers live as well which we are very pumped about i don't know if you've been to perth before i've never been to perth yeah it's going to be a good time it's yeah. going to be a good time um now for people there for business owners for entrepreneurs give us a little like a little tidbit what are you going to be sharing with us uh at certifiers ballers live without going too deep okay just give us a little sprinkle because obviously these guys are all here either solopreneurs or they've got a, a, a teams underneath them like yeah, nice. what, what will they be able to take away from that because obviously i think anyone any small part you can take from sales training mm. has a big impact if you can implement it straight away or you can give it to your team but what can they expect from you on that, that for, day? for sure what, what i I'll reverse engineer it. The, the worst thing you could say to me when I get off on stage, off stage would be, Ryan, that was super motivational, I'm inspired. If, if that gives you an idea where I'm going with this, this it will be super practical. So for me, the, I don't, everybody's different. Like I don't get motivated by the, all the rah-rah and the Tony Robbins, and he's great, but uh, do you know what I mean? I need practical training, so it's gonna be highly practical. Um, one thing I realized with all the education that I've done over the years with all your old school greats, like your Jim Rohn, your Tom Hopkins, your Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, um, all the way through to your Grant Cardone, Jordan Belford, if you want to throw him in there a little bit as well, um, he's got merit in some parts, <laughs> is that there's five distinctive um, moments in a sales process um, and you could break it down real broadly into your introduction. Um, hey, oh, the pens have been picked up. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. He's, here we go. Um, the introduction, so literally your first impression. I mean, we can go deep into the psychodynamics of all of that and this personality profiling, how you can pick people out within 45 to 60 seconds. Um, then it's your discovery. So how do you open people up? Um, in a guided fashion, in an elegant fashion. So how do you open people up that don't want to be opened up? Almost like a psychologist or a, um, a counselor. So I've done a lot of yeah. study on that tell me, side Tell of me things. about your father. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, lay down for me. Um, <laughs> then, then we go into the, the presentation. Um, so how do you present your products or service? And there's, there's three Ps. So your, your presentation, your product, uh, packaging, and your pricing. Um, and then, then there would be a level of trial closing. closing. So how are you asking for the business? Um, we know there's, there's low level, mid level and financial level questioning to ask. Sometimes people are asking the right questions in the wrong order. And then finally, how you handle objections. Um, my whole basis of building a sales training company was to remove objections. Mm. And the sole reason for that was I couldn't handle them. I didn't have good mental strength to, to handle the rejection. That is pretty common. Yeah. If you can't handle rejection, there's either two things you do, you either quit or you stop getting rejection in the first place. I wasn't in a position to quit, so I learned how to consult better on the front end that I stopped getting reject, uh, rejected or objections. So that might tie into mindset. So I'll be talking about those five areas. Um, I'm then gonna go through, um, the, the, the main area I'll, I'll start with will probably be how to introduce yourself in five, five simple steps to make sure that every single human interaction that you ever have, wherever it may be in the world, you can let them know who you are, the problem you solve, who you help, why you do it, and the best thing about doing business with you. So you never miss a human interaction opportunity again. Um, 
Jack and I always joke that we make a lot of money on planes, on trains, at barbecues. Because <laughs> I promise you, within 60 seconds of standing next to me, you will know everything about my business, why I do it, and we'll have an emotional attachment. And you won't even know I did it. That's scary, eh? Yeah. And, and I'll give you the five-step process yeah. on how to do that. Uh, <laughs> That's so. epic. I love that so much. Um, I'm excited. So you guys all realize you need to come to Certified Ballers Live now, right? I mean, come on. I don't know. Are you, are you guys, I don't know the thing. Is, are you guys coming? Or is that the... They will be by the end of tomorrow okay. right now. Go on. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. Sell, sell Perth to me. Like, I've never been. I'm like, I just know it's a long flight. <laughs> so like, if, you were, if someone was to ask you, like, what is probably the biggest mistake that you see in people's sales process? Because you're working with some big corporates. You're working with SMEs and whatnot as well. Is there kind of one that that will be painted across all of them where you're like, oh, I always see this, and it's always like, it's, it actually could make a big difference if it's that one thing that got changed. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the easy answer to that is intent. The intent mm. is wrong. The intent is to make a sale. Mm. Every, like, e across e everybody you speak to, and, and I understand when you're in startup and solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, whatever, like you do need to make money. I get that. But if you can genuinely emotionally detach yourself away from actually making a sale, and your sole intent is purely to find out whether you can help the other person, mm you will find that answer. Yeah. Um, and then by, by default, you will make, you'll get yourself further along the sales process. So that was a big shift for me because I was being told, make the sale, make the sale, make the sales. So that's all I was focusing on. So I was taking shortcuts to get there. Mm. Whereas now our only intent is to find out if I can help you. And if I can't, I will wish you all the best and send somebody else in to look after you. If I can, I believe it's my responsibility to also have the skills to get my product or service in your hands. Yeah. So, I don't I care that. what size company it is, that would probably be the major problem is yeah. that their intent is all wrong. I love that. So that's, we were going through earlier a little bit of stuff around marketing and um, Jay Abraham's a big mentor of mine, his whole strategy of preeminence, which is exactly that, which is like you do what's the best interest for the client. If it's working with you or if it's not working with you, yeah. if it's not on your way, best of luck. If it is, then it's, your, it's, in, it's greedy of you and it's inconsiderate of you not to get them on board. 100%. Yeah, yeah you're, doing, you're doing them a disservice. That was... Um, that was a big penny drop for me as well, is, is that it, it took me two, two and a half years to get in front of the camera um, or even make video content. So Jack was always the, the real confident one. Like, pub, do you guys like public speaking? Um, I, I absolutely hated it. Like, even, like, this is not my comfort zone, like, um, but I've learned that you have to live outside of that, before, otherwise you don't progress. I know that's a bit cheesy, but it's, it's said. So Jack would be the face off for a long time. And the reality was I wouldn't make content and put it out on socials or, or anywhere because I wanted to know that it 100% worked for people. So I always thought that I was lucky that I consumed all this information and maybe that was just my personality type. Maybe I could understand that sales is a process. Mm. So then I started coaching one person and then two and then three and then it was like, oh, they're all getting results. It took me two years of training before I actually put myself out there believing that it worked. And now, because I believe in my product so much, I've got absolutely no qualms in asking somebody for the money. Mm. Um, and, and I genuinely believe if I've gone through my discovery and you're... You get people say, I can't afford it, let me think about it, pop it in an email, I want to talk to my partner, I know I can help you with that, so I've got no qualms in asking for the business. Yeah. But it took me a long time to get to that stage. What do you say, if someone's like, just put, pop it in an email to me, I just need to check with my partner. Yeah, listen, firstly, um, I've been doing this for a long time, and if you didn't say that, I'd be very, very surprised. So apart from the fact that you want it in an email and you want to talk to your partner, is there anything else holding you back from getting started right now? I like that. A Rio, appreciate, relate, isolate, and overcome. I love that. Easy. Beautiful, easy. Easy, guys. Why are you making more sales? Oh, <laughs> come on. So before I um, bring Calvin up and then we open to some Q&A as well, I always, like, I always love this question. What's one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> I think you, did you ask Grant that? Oh, I can't remember, maybe. I think you did and I remember watching yours and I'm like, bugger, I wish I asked that question. <laughs> that was a good question. What's one question that I never get asked that you should ask is, um, Put him under pressure, doesn't like public really... speaking and just chuck him under a bus. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually enjoying the, the silence. It's like, oh, nice. I've been coaching all morning down the road in Byron. So. Um, maybe my drivers, maybe my whys. Yeah, fill us in, man. My whys are really, really clear. Um, if anybody follows me on socials, I know you do, um, you'll get spammed by my new baby boy, Maverick. He's nine months old. So, uh, I love so the name, the, by the way, as well. Maverick Ace, um, the unique one. Um, so, yeah, we said, so that, that's a big driver for me. But also, um, we, we talk about lines in the sand a lot in life, and, and you can use traumatic 
stages in your life as a, as a reason to hold you back, or you can use it as a catalyst to move you forward. Um, my dad had, had cancer um, back in like 2000 and 2001. He's, st he's still with us today, but he's highly disfigured. He's, um, he's had a lot of reconstructive surgery. Um, and he was a big driver for making me, not making me, but like encouraging me to come out here and, and follow my dreams. Um, and uh, top, of my, top of my vision board, top of my goals is to, to move my parents over here by 2022. So, um, so that will happen. So that's a, that's a big driver for me. Mm. Um, and that's when I'm having stressful days or I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, and we all have that, Rick. I don't care who you are. If you haven't thought about quitting, then you're a liar. <laughs> um, that's, that's what keeps me going, you know? So um, I, I kind of like talking about that because I think some people have been through things where they go, oh, well, maybe I'll just stay comfortable. Um, and the reality is like, you just have to get used to being so uncomfortable. Um, right now, this, isn't, this was an opportunity for me when you asked me to come and do this. Um, but what he didn't tell me was there was gonna be an audience. And if he did tell me there was gonna be an audience, that would have made my whole training this morning not so good for the other guys because it would have given me a level of anxiety. So it was actually a really good thing by default that he didn't, didn't even know. Always know the product you're selling, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, He's probably got like 10,000 people at Certified <laughs> Ball as well. Yeah. Oh, just go through those curtains, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love to have 10,000 people at Certified Ball as well. We will. Um, yeah, we will have. Yeah, definitely, guys. So what I would love to do now is bring um, Calvin up to ask some questions. And if you guys have any as well, um, would love to go through any questions you guys have for Ryan. He's got probably about, I don't know what the time is, probably about another 15 minutes with us. I find that uh, talent, professionalism, and the ability to execute at a higher level is really attractive qualities. And I want to surround myself with as many people as possible that can do that. Uh, and you notice just by the way that Ryan holds himself, the certainty by which he communicates his message, people are buying from him no matter what he's selling, right? Because the energy about the way you presented just then, Thank you. Uh, you know, and I really mean this, it, it, it draws you in. Uh, you feel as though, and this is something that every one of us should have at the end of the conversation, and I know that I get this from many of you, is that if you had a conversation with Ryan, I'm sure you would leave that feeling as though, I'm sure that you would leave that feeling as though I have an, an awareness of what I've got, but I feel like he has more to teach me than he was able to deliver, but I don't feel he shortchanged me in that experience. Does that make sense? So you go, fuck, he's got a wealth of knowledge and I need to hang around with him more to learn more of that stuff. Um, and I think that's a really, a really important part. Um, what I'd like to do, just a couple of quick questions. Uh, and by the way, this doesn't have to be shared outside of this room here, but I'm just really fascinated about a couple of things, right? So you guys get started, you're doing sales training and recruitment, right? When you're starting out and you're obviously picking your pricing from nothing, right? A lot of these guys are in that place as well where you may be entering new markets. We talked about going after a premium market. When you're working with an SME, how much in the early days were you charging for a sales training role to come on board and do that? And then I'm interested to know without naming any names, now you're working with sort of like a, a Fortune 50, Fortune 100 company. How do you even go about pitching that? How do you go about putting the proposal deck together? Are you underpricing it? What goes into your strategy around that? Yeah, okay, good stuff. So, um I guess, firstly, thank you for the kind words. Can we box that up, Lauren, and just have that as a little <laughs> promo? That was amazing. Um, with, the, with pricing, um, firstly, we used to be $69 an hour. Um, and to put, it, put, to put it into context, we don't, don't, I don't know why we came up with that number. Uh, <laughs> we'll sign up right now. You're, you're, we'll sign up right now. you're better than that. <laughs> It, uh, we're now 9.19 hour, but you need to book a minimum of five hours. So it's five grand for five hours, essentially. So it's that's like a half day point. rate, basically. Yeah, yeah little, little, little introduction, little, little teaser. Um, if you book more than 10 hours, it comes down to 6.60. Um, so the, the biggest issue we had was we underpriced ourselves. Yes. Um, and when you underprice yourself, you attract a certain clientele. Yes. Um, you attract a certain clientele that don't appreciate what you do. Yeah. Um, the second we started putting our prices up, and it came from, from Steve Baxter. So we, we went from 69 to 99, uh, 149, 249, 550, 616, 990. We've gone on that journey in five years. Um, when Steve came on board, he goes, where's your FU price? And we went, what do you mean, what, what's your FU price? He goes, the price that you, you want them to really give you, but you don't think they'll give you. He goes, what's your, what's your big, hairy, audacious package? Um, and then we created a $100,000 program, um, a 12-month mentoring program. Um, five people joined it in the first month. Fuck. We didn't want them to join it. Guys, right now, We couldn't, we couldn't service that it. right now. So, but but, the, but the, thing, the thing is, what you, what you need to create is you create your low barrier of entry. We all know about um, your, your tripwires and all things, things of that nature. But you, we've got like a $1,500 online program. We've got a... a, a $2,000 online program, then we've got a three. So it's just a little bit out of reach, but it comes with accountability. But when we talk about our pricing, one of the big mistakes I see is that people open with their low barrier of entry. We talked about this before. You spoke yeah. about it, yeah, yeah, awesome. So yeah. I don't need to go into all of that. So um, 
biggest mistake we made was pricing ourselves too cheap. So I would at least double whatever you are right now, at least double it. And it will scare the hell out of you. And then you've just got to truly believe that you can deliver on the back end. The reason we started at $69 is because we didn't believe we could deliver. Now I've got no qualms. Next year by January, we go up again. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with that, um, with doing that. Um, so the second part, did that answer that question? By the yeah, way? it does. Just on that as well, by the way, if those of you have been following us for a while, Kevin Carey cleaning bins at $9.90. We put them up to $18. He was shitting himself. So we got him to sell it at $35. And then someone said yes. And he's like, oh, fuck, I can do it at $18 now. Um, and then uh, Bobby and Crystal. Bobby and Crystal trying to do advisory work in accounting. They had 500 clients, can't service them all. So double or triple your prices. And uh, they didn't lose anybody. They just had a heap more people and got more staff now. So... I mean, everyone can put their prices up, but I love the mm. idea of the $100,000 offer. And you, you said something that maybe they missed as well. You didn't have the ability to service that, but you were still putting oh, it out. You sell it and figure it out. Yeah. Perfect. And we Thank had you. to then, we had to. <laughs> Thank you. Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, just, just, just curious here. What do you get for 100 grand? What is $100,000 over a year? And obviously the model's probably changed, but originally when you're pitching that, what are you putting in place for 100 grand? So, so for 100 grand at the moment, you get um, two, two hours of coaching one-to-one -one every single week. Right. Um, so with myself or Jack via Zoom um, or over the phone, if you want to come in face-to-face, -face, you can do it face-to-face. -face. Yep. Um, you get access to four of our boot camps throughout the course of the year, um, which are two-day boot camps. That's two 10-hour days. So there's, uh, our next one is literally this weekend, so good timing, good promotion. Um, and then you get our access to our full online um, training academy, so our, what we call our Swish Academy, which gives you um, live weekly webinars every single week, an accountability coach for mentoring every 30 days, and everything we've ever created digitally. Okay, uh, so... Uh, it's pretty comprehensive. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So these guys get more than that with me for less money. So next year, this is all going <laughs> fucking up. Um, yeah, put it up, put it up. Yeah, this is all going up. Yeah, 200,000. Um, no, that's fantastic, right? That, that, that's awesome. And who, who's your ideal avatar at that level? I mean, who are you bringing on board that's, that's investing that money? So they'd be your... Uh, I like po definitely post-revenue, obviously. So you, you're looking at probably like your individual sales managers, CEOs of your corporate company. Yes, so they're, yes. they're in an organization, they don't own it yes. um, necessarily, but they're in, in one of the highest on a management positions. So yeah, they're yeah, on a yeah. couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's they're, not coming out of their pocket, it's coming out of the, corporates. They'll be invested by their company. Correct. Yeah, so yeah, they've yeah, got yeah, a training correct. budget already, so you need to Excellent. know who you're gonna be talking to. 100%, awesome. Um, yeah. And just, just, uh, just on that, and I think I was, I don't know if I actually said it just now, that whenever somebody asks you for the price point, you, you probably explained this earlier as well, you always reference the highest one first. It's a contrast frame. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like starting at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Fantastic. Love that. Love that. Everyone will. That was be... a big change that I didn't understand. I only, I only got that probably about two or three years ago. Scott Harris, you'd be familiar yes. with Scott Harris. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about talk about your top package first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Excellent. Let's do a bit of Q and A. Who's got some questions um, around the journey around Shark? I'm also really super interested to know about Shark Tank because you only see what was like maybe an 11 minute video. So what actually, while you guys are considering questions to ask, what was that Shark Tank journey like? You obviously got three of them on board, but what I think what most people don't realize is that initial thing is really just an expression of interest on their part, mm. right? And then you go and they do their due I diligence. Didn't that. Okay. <laughs> um, so. If you take it right back to the beginning, um, I remember having a conversation with Jack around about December 2018 or 2017, it would have been. And um, Jack said to me, um, mate, how do you feel about going on Shark Tank? And I, public speaking, Shark Tank, no, no, yeah. um, mate, no, why? Why would we, do, we're going okay. So yeah. worst, worst words in business, this is the way it's always been done. Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, mate, we're doing all right. Why can't we just continue as we are? So, um, but if you think it'd be beneficial, you go on and I'll, I'll wait in the wings. And he went, good, because we've already been accepted. Um, and he said, we've already been accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we then filmed. Um, so what happened was, um, it was my wedding anniversary on the day of filming, so I was supposed to be in Bali, um, and you have to do police checks and psychiatric testing as well before you go on to make sure you can handle the pressure of being on there. And um, so that, all the way leading up to it, I said, Jack, well, you're, you do it, mate. Like, that's, this is your arena. And then they give you like a trainer to go on there. So they give right. you a trainer to handle it. They teach you how to do your elevator pitch. And we're like, we know how to pitch. We teach pitch. Like, um, and they basically just ripped us to pieces. They said, look, you, you, guys are, you guys can talk, but trust me, these are smart people you're going to stand in front of. They heard it all before. Cut the bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then about two weeks before, the producer said, hey, look, Jack, you polarize people. Some people love you, some people don't. Um, we think you both should go on to, give, to maximize your opportunity. Um, I am denied, procrastinated, and I left it too late, so I actually couldn't, I wasn't allowed to actually physically be on the, on the set. Right. Um, 
and they just said, if it goes to a decision, Jack will come and get you at the right. end. So I'm like, sweet, what a win situation this is. So I'm just in the background. If it wins, I get all the plaudits. Um, anyway. Overcoming um, objections. Uh, You've already got that, right? Yeah, you just yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so 45 minutes. So, so you saw 13 minutes. It's, it, we're about two and a half hours into, in, in the whole thing. So Jack does 45 minutes. Um, a runner comes to get me. I'm waiting outside in a gazebo with my wife. And they said, um, so Steve Baxter wants to see you. And I'm like, that's the weirdest sentence ever. What do you mean? And they're like, no, Steve wants to meet the business partner. He wants you on there. And I'm like, no, I haven't done my police checks. Um, I, I don't think I should, no. So I'm trying to get out. And they're like, no. And they're putting makeup on me. They've got a microphone on. I'm, I'm literally, I understand why they're called runners. Like you literally run to the studio. And then, um, so then I, they, we spent like 20 minutes on the outside where Jack comes out and we're discussing. Um, and one thing that I knew was that, we, that nobody in Australian history had ever secured three. Um, so my head, all I wanted to do was get three. I'm like, it's great leverage. Let's release a little bit more equity. I'm comfortable with that. They're, they're all going to bring their own value. Um, and Jack was like, they don't want to collaborate. I'm like, we're negotiators. We can get this. So we had a bit of a plan of how we were going to do it. Um, and then we went back in um, and we're in there for about another hour or so. Um, and they basically went through everything again. Um, and then exactly as you just said there, the, um, at the end of it, when you, when you walk out, you think, well, this is it. This is done. We've got, just got loads of money. Sweet. Um, then the due diligence starts. So filmed in March, aired in June. We didn't get the money till September. Um, right. So wow. Andrew Banks is, um, he's got a, he had like the Morgan and Banks, the recruitment agency, but he's also got a training company with an online program in America. Yeah. So he took our online program, gave it, gave it to his team for six weeks in the States, basically trialed it. Um, they saw a 21% upside in six weeks. And then he went, I'm in. Well, yeah, and, of course and, it and would then, be. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like it. I'm going to go and do it myself. I'll just, I'll just roll with it. So, um, and then this, because he had the training background, Stephen Glenn just went, well, if he's in, we're in. Wow. Um, so they, wow. they ripped you to pieces, though. Like, they, they knew where I went to school. They knew about Jack's misdemeanors um, as a teen. Um, they, they know everything, and they, and they pull up everything they can. And so you um, probably want to have as well in order to be able to have the right people on the bus, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, they, and they've... They've been great, like like you said just now. Like I met with Glenn yesterday afternoon at a golf club just to have a couple of beers and make a couple of videos, and it's it's still a bit surreal. But um, sure. what what it's really done for me as a as a person and a, as a business owner is it is ground me, but ground ground them to me. Does that yes. make sense? Yes. Um, yes. I used to put people on a pedestal. I could never call somebody if it said CEO in front of their on the on the yeah, lead sheet. Title, yeah. um, and now I'm a CEO, and I'm the least intimidating person you're ever going to meet. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, working with them and realizing that Glenn came and met me and Lauren yesterday and he's got his young daughter and then they're going to go for a hit a few balls like that was, yeah, it's just cool. That's yeah, phenomenal. Well done, by the way. Congratulations on that. There's a couple of things as well in that video. You know, um, there's a point around, is it a objection or is it a complaint? It's actually probably worthwhile writing down. Is it an objection or a complaint? You, you saw, and it's very easy to have assumed based on the coming out of that, right? You go, and we want to have a collaboration. And how many times did the guys ask? for collaborations and yet at the end the sharks are attacking one another saying why you, they shouldn't work together why they won't want to work together some of them like i'm absolutely sure i don't want to work with that person in the end they all signed on so i think sometimes we can be so easy part of being empathetic of going i hear what you're saying you can't afford it no problems we'll immediately go i know i do this all the time i immediately go to a payment plan option as opposed to just forgetting that they even said that and moving forward. You know, sometimes it'd be so easy to solve the problem that we don't realize that we are solving the problem by just ignoring it and actually moving forward. And in the end, you got your ideal outcome because mm. you probably would have lost the sale of having the three of them on board had you just try to go down the particular line of just trying to get one as opposed to having all three of them. I think it's a really important point overall, but I guess it comes part of the sales training that you guys oh, do. So it's, it's a great pickup because it, yeah. it is something that we discussed that we yeah. knew that we were gonna, we call it art. Um, so you, you acknowledge the objection, firstly, you respond to it, so you almost repeat it back to them, yep. um, and then you just transition anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, I like it, it doesn't matter. So it is, yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not disregarding it, I'm not deflecting it, I'm acknowledging it, I'm responding exactly to what you said, and I'm transitioning straight through to wherever I was going to go anyway. Yeah, 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 fantastic. I love it. Um, huge. Let's get some questions. Who's got some Q&A? He asked me early, so... Right. <laughs> um, Trust me, I bet I'm more nervous than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, your closing strategy, like when you're actually asking for the sale, yes. do you pivot that based on their personality and, and do you kind of like vary the amount of emotion or logic or is that like a 
awesome. Scale. Awesome question. Um, so yeah, so we um, I've done a lot of psych psychology training and, and obviously pro profiling. So we use DISC um, just because it's the easiest one to attain to sales. Yeah, perfect. So uh, with Myers Briggs and, and all, uh, 16, and it's just like they pigeonhole you, whereas DISC, I think it gives you a little bit more flexibility to, to be situational and environmental. And, and we do, we change. Like I'm, I'm masquerading as an I right now, but I'm a C. Yeah, I know you're a C. Do you know what I mean? You, you got that. Yeah, I'm super, I'm an engineer. That was easy. Yeah, easy, yeah. Um, so, so yes, in, in answer to your question, yes, absolutely. So what we create is um, what we call feature advantage benefit grids. So we will create a list of features advantage benefits based around a product, yourself and your company, which will give you 18 to 30 language patterns. And you mm. can pull upon each of them at any time, depending on the personality type that you've got. So, so the way that I used to close, well, these, this would be my close. So we'd get through to the end of the, um, our consultation. Um, I've gone through a couple of little kind of trial closes. And then I would say the process to get you started is really simple, requires nothing more than a basic bit of information. And I'll take care of everything else for you. Process. Problem was the word process. Eyes don't like processes. So I change now if I've got an eye, I'll say, well, this is the fun part. <laughs> this is where we get to actually become family. This is where we get to really know each other with an S. I would change it to, listen, what I really don't want to be doing is making too many changes to your sales process today. I want to make some minute amendments and additions to what you're already doing really well. With a C, the process to get you started. With a D, all right, let's get some results. Here we go, let's crack on. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. in answer, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. That's like high level. <laughs> By the way, how easy, but we're going to do this tomorrow, which is great. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. Uh, but how easy it would be to build out feature benefit, we call it feature benefit outcomes, your feature advantages. Feature, fab, yeah, feature advantage, so advantage benefit. Features, same thing, yeah. Same, same, summer, summer. Um, to be able to build that out for the person, obviously for these guys, they're also doing corporate rights, so it's for you and for your organization. If you're consulting to an individual, it's just yeah. really for them, but it might be for them and their families, for example, or if, if, you're, if you're doing a, an organization for real estate, for example, it might be for you and your family. Um, but be able to build that out and have the metric, and all it is, it's basically just a grid. It's like, where am I talking on each part of the grid? You know, we're gonna talk tomorrow as well about uh, quote cards for objection handling, right? So having a series of pre-scripted responses that you write for your ideal avatar around each of those common objectives that you get, objections that you get, to be able to just go to it, you don't have to think about it, you're not attached to it as much. Obviously you wanna have it scripted so you, you know it, but it's, 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 it's important. How important is, is scripting and role play? Do you feel for I'm sales so organizations? I hoping you're going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, Every sales trainer loves scripting and role play because that's uh, how they get paid. Right. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, how often do we role play and train? Four times a day. Four times a day? Four times a day. So 8 till 8.30 is um, open sales training for the whole company. Um, it's unpaid. They don't start till 8.30. Um, so anybody can walk in. 8 till 8.30, we pick a topic. Um, and then 8.30 till 9 is the full morning meeting. Then 9 till 9.14 is role play because we're on the phones by 9.15. So very regimented. We will then, so they got sales training, role play. We will then do it after first break as well. So straight after first break, we'll do role play again. And then after lunch, they do role play again as well. And then we do an end of day whip, um, just to, to summarize it. So um, the role play, I can't emphasize enough how I hated role play. I hated it. It is the best thing that ever happened to me because you become, you be not a robot, but you become fearless. If you know your language patterns, so they're so deep in, in like inception, isn't it? It's like they're so impregnated in your mind. Does that even make yep. sense? I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure. Um, <laughs> it sticks. Can you just edit over that? Um, the, the, you, you, just, you just lose your fear. So you said it to me just then. So what happens when you get that objection? I'm a, a Rio. I know where I'm going with that. I don't have a fear. I'm doing it in front of a group of people. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so unconscious competence. It, it literally is. And that takes time. Um, yes. And some people, I had it this morning. I had a team of individuals at a solar power company. Some of them very little sales experience and they were totally overwhelmed when they were just like bombarding me with objections and I'm like bang 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 and I'm like stop comparing your day one to my day 10,000 yes that, and that's what I used to do yeah um, but scripting gives you that framework like you don't want to create robots but you do need to know where you're going like a hundred percent even the, the day I left my old company I had, I had 47 people um, that were work, working around me I hate saying underneath me um, around me and to the day I left, I would still have my script on a clipboard. And I knew that script off by heart. I wrote the script, but I w it was my safety net. So you definitely need a structure to follow, yeah. I love that. Some other questions? Demelza. Uh, we've, so I've got a team. Um, 
and so with them, what would be the biggest thing? You know, how you get that? Well, I'm just not good at sales. You know, I'm just not pushy like that. You know, you get that. Yeah, yeah. Thing from them. What would be the biggest? I guess few sentences that would help. The silver bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the, f the first thing, and I, I had that just now that this morning as well, um, that, that we don't want to be in sales. Like there is, there is that stigma. Um, it's, it's firstly letting them know that we're not in the game of sales. We're in, a, we're in the game of communicating our message. That, that's all we do. Andrew Banks said, said it to us. He said, Ryan, you, you're, not, you're not a sales trainer. You're a communication trainer. You're helping people communicate the value of what they do better. That's all you're, that's all you're doing. Like when, and if we go back to the feature benefit grid just for a second, and I'll, and I'll loop back around and close this, I promise. Um, you're writing feature benefits on you, your stories. Like I, I tell you about my, my dad, I tell, talk about my wife, I talk about my dog, my baby. It's real, I don't need to talk about it, but it gives you an indication of my character. And it, and it helps me form a relationship with you consciously and unconsciously. Is that manipulation? No, it's just me telling the truth better. Do you know what I mean? So um, if they understand, and they need, the first thing they need to buy into is the product. They need to tr like truly, and I've had people that didn't truly believe my product, and that's okay. If you don't truly believe in it, don't represent it. And then you get natural deselection. So they need to truly believe in it. So I would do a session on why people can benefit on, from your product. And I would get them to outline as many things as possible that they believe people will benefit from the product. And not, 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 not primary level, go primary, secondary, tertiary level. So they're gonna benefit because they make more money. Okay, brilliant, what's the secondary level to that? What are they spending that money on? What's the emotional tertiary um, of that as well? And, and really, really get them sold on the product as much as possible. Um, and then ask them, is that important to them? Is it important to you to impact people's lives like that? And if it is, fantastic, then you're right for our organization. All I want you to do right now is go into every single interaction, finding out whether we can help them. Get them away from the sale. I know that's hard as business owners because we've got to make money, but Try and get them away from the sale. Does that make sense? Yeah, Does that help? Absolutely. Yeah. It's huge. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Um, another question. When we're looking for salespeople, you bring on board salespeople. Uh, a couple of do's, a couple of don'ts. Uh, what, are, what am I looking for if I've not hired a salesperson? I think everyone here can get better for having salespeople themselves and bring them on board. Yeah. What am I immediately looking for in terms of if you had to pick people based off uh, a short conversation or interaction, what are you looking for? What does the first 90 days look like for them? Like, how are you bringing people on board? Oh, good question. Um, I did a full webinar on induction and onboarding uh, last week, but um, the, the red flags I'm looking for are, are any sort of excuses about why it didn't work for them at another job. Firstly, one, one little comment about a manager, a product, the economy, that, that, that's enough for me. Um, <laughs> you heard some of them before. Uh, secondly, what, what we look for is um, products of our process. So people, no, nobody joins our organization without coming on the boot camp or have been on the academy. So I want them to, re the only way they're really going to know whether our product works is if they're a product of it. So um, you look in the, in the early days, our first seven employees were people that we had placed into work at other companies in the recruitment um, and elegantly asked them if they would like to now join our organization because we got to watch how they worked. Yeah, sure. So if, we don't all have the luxury of doing that. But um, if you've got people that are coming through your process right now um, that are using your products or services, I would look to recruit from there, um, if that makes sense. Um, and th there's an elegance in how we go about doing that. But um, I guess bottom line is always be recruiting. Like always have your sales goggles on, I say. So um, uh, Lauren came through a PR company that we, that we coached. So we were fortunate to go out to Corrin Cove, if you know where Corrin Cove is, beautiful place. Um, and Lauren sat on the training with, uh, with Jack at the time, wasn't it? And um, stood out. So we're, we're, we're recruiting people that stand out. You get an exceptional waitress that goes above and beyond for you when they have no idea what you can offer for them. Maybe that's worth another conversation or a connection. Mm, I like that. We'll hire a whole heap of people. Um, when, uh, when you bring somebody on board, you know, there's probably three different ways of looking at it, remunerating a salesperson, mm -hmm. base, uh, base plus comms, or maybe like a flexi debit credit arrangement, yeah. whether on that system or purely comms. Mm -hmm. uh, are you guys open to all three? Do you find one works better long-term, short-term? What's your thoughts and feelings about that? Because I know some people are only comms, yeah. some people are only base, some people are a mixture, and then that's both the individual and the organization. What do you guys feel yeah. works the best? Um, yeah, awesome question. Um, I think from, from a sales perspective, I think you're, you're kidding yourself if you think somebody will continue to work really hard if you don't pay a commission. 
full stop. Like, it, it, unless you're going to pay them 150 grand a year and you're going to pay them an executive rate, they're, they're not going to work just for 50 grand. Like we, we pay, I'll tell you right now, we pay $52,000 base, so, but they get, they get some decent comms. Like they get anywhere from 10 to 20% commissions, depending on what they bring in. So we pay some amazing commissions on the back end. Um, we also then create tiers. So like the team leaders, the, the sales manager will then get a clip of everybody else. But um, commission only, um, I've only tried it with a couple of people. Um, it was really hard to police. I, I've, I've struggled with it and I'm not saying it doesn't work. I've seen other people execute it very well. It hasn't worked well for me. I like to give people security. Um, I, like to, I like to employ. Um, so we've got 17 staff at the moment, um, just, just in, in the um, ISR business. But um, I like people to be employed because I want it to be their business as well. Mm -hmm. So this is not my business. I want everybody pulling, pulling in the same direction. Give me some numbers on what that 52 looks like for them. So if I'm giving you 52 mm -hmm. as, an, as an employer, uh, what are your base KPIs before they hit comms? They get yeah, comms on anything? Like what's nah. the nuances? Because these nah, guys nah. go, 52 grand, <laughs> fuck, okay, I've got to spend all this money and what if they don't make sales this week? So it, I guess it depends on your ticket item as well. So, um, so we know that we've got um, a $4,400 break-even point on, on a staff member based around the leads that we've got coming in as well. So they have to hit $4,400 a week before Cash they activate comms. Cash or contracts? Um, no, that's in the bank. In the bank. In the bank. Right. Yeah, so for like... Um, I mean, even like with the like Mercedes and- But the, this the, is the, important though, right? So it's $4,400 they've got to hit to qualify for comms, but their base is $1,000. Does that make sense? So we're only giving them 1,000, but there's $3,400 uh, $3, yep. of just cost of bullshit that we've got to do in the business. Yes. And a lot of salespeople don't get that. They go, Cal, I, we have this all the time. You paid me, you, my base is only $1,000 and I made $5,000. It's like, well, yeah, you only made $2,000 in cash, but it costs us $3,000 to open the door and have you here. Yeah, but it doesn't cost you just the leads. It's, no, you don't get it. And I think that's important. You need to educate people around that, around your numbers, because mm. we've actually gone backwards by having salespeople making more money than we're paying them, yeah. but they weren't making enough in volume to cover the cost of having the bum on the seat. That's Not such, a good place to be. Such a good point. Um, so we, 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 call, we do a two-day induction program, um, and it's like a whole day with me and a whole day with Jack, and we let them know that, hey, right now you're getting $20,000 worth of training. So uh, you're doing 10 hours with me, 10 hours with Jack. We're five grand an hour. Uh, five grand an hour, that's all right, isn't it? Uh, five grand up, five hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That went, yeah, we've been here a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you snooze, you lose. Um, so you let, we, we, we hammer them with the numbers and constantly updating. Like, Lauren, we did it, we did it last week. I went through our break-even points. Oh, yeah, we exactly. Yeah, my, my, everybody, everybody in the company knows our break-even points. So, and the purpose of telling everybody, not including the sales team, is that I've got administrators, I've got video and marketing, and, and they're talking to my sales staff when they're not on target. Leave them alone. Let them focus on the... And that, so, and it's as, as simple as, go and look at the TV, see what our numbers are. If they're not on target, you don't need to go and talk to them right now. I'm going to loop back to the importance of a scoreboard. Because obviously yeah. that's important, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, keep going. So 50, uh, they've got to hit yeah. 44, 44 to qualify for base. Yeah, 44 to qualify so for qualify base. So qualify for, um, for commissions. Before they go comms, how many weeks is someone with you not hitting base? I mean, you, were luxury, you had the luxury of being in a telemarketing company for three months without really making any money. The only reason that was is because Jack was my sales manager and I played football with him. Yeah, it's all about who you know. It's, it, it, li it literally is who you know. So for you guys, obviously, you're not just going to kick somebody. You're going to train them, right? But at what point are you cutting off Deadwood? Um, so we do um, three months of underperformance. Okay. Uh, but bearing in mind, we've been, we've been on pressure for five years. We've sacked two people. Wow. Um, one of them we found out was stealing our data during the due diligence of Shark Tank. Um, and, um, and one guy was... Um, I nearly said his name then. Um, one guy actually broke away and started on the side training our content to other people. So they're the only two people we've ever sacked. So we haven't had the first, I've had the second. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. That, and that happens and it's whatever. There's, um, we've had at least five people that have come through our training, they've done our boot camps and go away and start sales training companies. Um, the beautiful thing is when you're this far deep, you know how hard it is. So you go, do you know what? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It used to bother me. I'm like, you won't see it through because it's not a passion. Yeah. Um, we went two years without paying ourselves. So, yeah. um, but if you told me that at the start, I probably wouldn't have done it. For sure. So, um, For sure. so um, to answer the question, um, which was... Three months of underperformance. <laughs> three months of underperformance, yeah. But um, we've also got um, in place, we've got stepping stones. So like, if you're a week underperformance, we give you increased training. If you're a month underperformance, we give you even more training. So sure. every single person in our company 
Um, I block out nine hours a week for TCM, which is training, coaching, and mentoring. Training is knowledge transfer, so I'm going to teach you something for the first time. Coaching is solidifying that knowledge for the next uh, 12 weeks. Yep. The mentoring is the mindset to control. So they've got access to so much training that if it doesn't work after 12 weeks, then do you know what? I think we both agree this is not right. Um, and, and that's that's hammered home in the induction. But we, we it's, again, it's an overused phrase. We hire really slow and we fire, fire quickly. relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, I wish we'd have picked up on the girl doing what she was doing quicker. I think but. it's important though from a business perspective for everyone, it's like, it, it takes about 90 days anyway, and I'm interested to know how quickly yeah. for you, but it takes about 90 days to really effectively get somebody up to speed in your business. You can shortcut that process, but don't bring somebody on board and expect day one things to rock rock and roll. Like you should be making a $13,000 commitment, it's a $1,000 base. I'm making a $13,000 commitment to you, and we're gonna. I've got 13,000 in a kitty to see if you work. Right, like obviously you're not hiring them on that proviso, but you get the idea. That should be your mindset of going, it's got 90 days before I'm gonna see my investment back. Now I believe, and I was having this conversation with Kim, I'm sure if you put any of us, and I'm sure many of you, into an organization, we're making sales week one. Because if I think if you've got it, you've got it. There are some people that you can educate and support, but if you're gonna hire talent, Talent should come in and game one should start kicking goals and putting runs on the board for you, right? You'll see that, or at least you'll see that in their ethic, you'll see that in their output, you'll see that in their communication, their willingness to learn, to bring ideas. You know, Ben, we put a post up, and I'm interested to know about your recruitment process, about do you push people away in the recruitment process to see if they're committed enough to coming on board? We don't answer for the first two contact points. Right. Yeah. We put a post up and I said, I'm going to hire somebody. This is my number. Don't call me. Don't message me. Call me. And then I gave them Sharon's number. And I said to Sharon, whatever they say, say they're not suitable for the role. And say, thank you so much, but Mr. Coyles doesn't think you'd be suitable for this. And if they can't get past you, being Sharon, the nicest person in the world, then they're never going to get over the phone call. And we had a guy called Benjamin, who's actually one of our clients, actually, which is perfect, the synergies of what you just shared, who found out that I was at a Grand Cardone conference. Sharon said no. He called back twice. So he decided to rock up at the Grand Cardone conference and wait in the foyer for me until I came downstairs, right? Took a day off work. I said, mate, you're fired. He's already generated, I don't know how many sales. 15, he hired him, hired him. 15, 20 sales he's already got from us. He's lapping it up. I haven't even spoke to him once for sales training, sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you can get, like, he's got it, you can tell, and if we give him the right skills training, take my visa, uh, or Amex, Amex, we'll get more points. It is Amex, I said yeah. Amex at an Amex conference in front of 500 people. Well, I call it Amex, but it's British, it, it, we say Amex. Amex. yeah, Amex. and I'm British, yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I share a similar story to what yeah, you just yeah, shared? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, just, just on that note, like getting people that actually want to work with you. Um, does anybody do park run? Do you know the 5K yeah. park runs? Yeah, they do it every Saturday around, around the world. Um, the, the, we had a guy called Magnus who was our previous videographer. He had what a name. name. He was Swedish. some good names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Magnus. <laughs> so he, he moved, he had to move back to Sweden. He's having a baby. Um, but he, he bombarded us. He wanted to work with us for ages. He was coming to all of our events. Um, and, and he just couldn't get in my diary. He just couldn't. So, at one, um, he saw a video that I put out there where I spoke about parkrun, and I said I go to Main Beach Parkrun on the Gold Coast. <laughs> he turned up at the parkrun, and, he, and he, he got me at the start line, and he goes, I know I've got you for at least half an hour. <laughs> and, he, and he genuinely, he genuinely jogged around. It, it was about 23 minutes. Oh, I was going some. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get away. Um, and he did it, and, he, and, he, and do you know what? After that, I went... Mate, come in on Monday, I'll give you a shot. Um, and he did, and he was our videographer just over a year, and he did wow. an amazing job. And he ended up coming to, he ended up working for Steve Baxter, because um, he did um, some conferences for Steve Baxter, he met Andrew Baxter, and he was wow. all of a sudden in this world just because of hustle. So those types of people, yeah. that's who you want in your organization. 100%. You, you, you'd be blown away, I say this all the time to our team, and I see it um, even subconsciously to myself, the power, and we got this is how we got the Grand Cardone interview, right? Because Kim had a podcast, I didn't have a podcast. They wanted people for podcasts. I just pretended like I had one. Uh, and we got an interview, right? Um, but the, the power of, of just putting yourself out there and having a little, just a tiny little bit of just being proactive and just stepping up to the plate. Um, if, if in doubt, grab a camera and you can walk in anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you literally can go anywhere, yeah. Great experience. <laughs> yeah, good point, Jace. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, no, if you're this height. 
um, one of the things that I picked up from Vern Harnish from Gazelles is the power of a scoreboard so that everyone knows there's not a competitive sport in the world that the team doesn't know if they're winning or losing. But yet in our businesses, oftentimes we know the numbers, maybe even a month after they've actually happened and our team doesn't. If you can delineate that much better, like TNT or no FedEx, FedEx has a counter that updates every eight minutes with how many packages they're shipping every hour. And they have to be, I think, at 3,000 packages an hour. So if they're below, the whole team has to lift performance. And if they're above, they know that they've got a little bit of a buffer. But that happens every eight minutes on shift for everybody. So you guys, have, you said, you mentioned, like, look at the TV. If they're not getting the numbers, leave them the fuck alone. What numbers are you tracking? What's important? Obviously, from a business owner, you've got one set of numbers. From a salesperson, a different set of numbers. What are the important points for you? Yeah, yeah. For, um, firstly, so we call it status in a second. Like, I should be able to walk into any one of your businesses, and within three seconds, I should be able to know who's performing well, who's underperforming, and what your, what your numbers are, so, so to speak. So we're looking at dials, so literally dials of the, of the phone. Um, how many people are they connecting to? How many bookings are they making for appointments or demonstrations? And then sales and then revenue. So it's like yeah. laps with... Uh, revenue on the back end was what we talked about this morning. Yeah, yeah, pr pr pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, then we're looking at, we also look at phone time, um, so dials and then phone time as well. So if you've got uh, low dials, but you've got high phone time, that's all right, means you get into conversations. But if that's the case and you're still not making revenue, what the hell is going on in those conversations? Yeah. Um, you're in the jungle or the desert, we call it, which means you're talking about the price of tea in China. So, yeah. um, and then on the flip side, if you've got high dials and low numbers, then we know that you're just not connecting to many people. 100%. Um, your team's calling normal business hours, you call after hours, do you rotate that? Um, so we, we call normal business hours, but our team would be like Lauren will testify to this. So some people will get there at 7.30, they get paid from 8.30, they get paid till five. Some people will be there till seven o'clock. Some of them are going on a weekend. Right. So they've got total flexibility on when they Great. want to do that. How many dials are you looking for from a person per day? Assuming Eight. the average pickups. 80. 80 dials yeah. a day. Okay, great. Um, and Not the, 300 that I used to make. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> if I, are they cold calling or uh, inbound prospecting? Both. Both. So we, we've, we've got people that will do, so, so all of our sales guys have to, do, um, have to do cold calling as well. They have to generate five leads from cold a day. I don't care whether you've done $100,000 this week, you're, you it's have good. to generate five. It's just, it's just embedded into them. Yeah, yeah it's, a good, because it's a good discipline. The, the, and the reason we, we did that is, firstly, I don't understand social media. Um, I don't understand the algorithm. I can introduce you. Uh, <laughs> oh, that I've was, got an affiliate code, ysv.wildsuccess.com. <laughs> um, so the algorithm changing just did my head in. It was like leads, no leads, leads, no leads. And it was always like, here's loads of warm leads. All right, guys, next week we have to do cold calling. So it's like, it's not next week, it's just every day we do cold calling and then the, the, the warm leads are just the cream on top. So yeah, uh, nice. So yeah, we, we spend a nice bit of money, but we might have a chat about it um, on social media advertising at the if moment. If he can't help you, I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got big plans. Yeah, we're going places. Um, uh, <laughs> so 80, 80 dials, roughly how many conversations are they having with 80? Oh, that'll get them to about 40 to 50. Okay, so they're getting yeah. a pretty good job, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because right. they, they'll be calling... Um, a lot of them will also be inbound inquiries. So, sure, um, sure. so yeah, you'd expect them to be relative numbers. And if they're calling 80, they're having 50 so conversations, how many pitches, how many closes? Um, so I'd be expecting um, to get 10 pitches out from that and two closes. Okay, great. So, so two sales a day. Two sales a day out of 80 calls. Yeah. Yeah, I need everyone to be aware of that. 80 people you're calling, you're only selling two people. So Mac, if you call 80 people and you sell six, keep spending more money making more calls. It's all good. Yeah. It's but, all good. But that's the correlation that you do. So when... When people come to me and they say, oh, I'm not making enough sales or whatever, and I go, well, how many dials did you make? Oh, I, made, I made 40. Okay, well, how many sales do you normally make per 40 calls? Oh, no, no, it normally takes me 50. It's like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But the only thing you focus on, so the only thing that we really, we're really checking, the, the, the revenue and sales are a natural byproduct of doing the right process anyway. So we, 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 we go three Ps, people, performance, uh, people, process, performance. Get your people right, get the process for the people right, and the performance will follow. Most businesses do it the other way around. I need performance, I need sales. And then you put pressure on the process and you put pressure on the people. So get the people right process and then the uh, performance. So as long as you do your 80 dials every single day, I know you'll hit target. That's all, all you need to do. Every, don't come in and say to me, I'm gonna make five sales today. Tell me you're going to make five times more dials if you wanna make five times more sales. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now on this, because and Karen at some point probably put a hair out on this principle, and I know I certainly have as well. You get a certain type of salesperson, maybe there's some weeks they're hot, 
right? It's like things are happening. And then they go, I don't want to have to make 80 calls every day. So can we change the sales process to better suit the people that I want to speak to? Like how often are you having conversations with the team about the process? I mean, given that you are a sales training organization, I'm not sure if you, you get the same friction points. Yeah. But for us, we'll get a salesperson, they'll come on board, they'll get some results, but then they'll eventually just become lazy and only want to do the top end of the stuff, of course, yeah. not all of the other shit that they have to do. Yeah. So how are you managing that conversation and that narrative? Or is it just that you've got that many people on the team that they know they've got to constantly be performing as part of that? Um, yeah, I think it's a good point. I've never been asked that question before. Um, for me, it all comes down to your induction. It comes down to the first conversation that you ever have with them, that this, this is just the way it is. And I would be framing that. I would say, look, I know what happens here. In six months' time, you're going to come to me and you're going to say this. And you're going to feel like this. Just so you know, that's not happening. I don't care whether you're doing $100,000 a day or $1,000 a day. This is the process that has worked for us. So if you've got somebody that goes maverick and they want to go rogue on you, yeah. then maybe they're, they're not right for the company. Mm. Um, because if I change a process for one person, I have to change it for everybody. Yeah, and then you have so no flex. process. And, it's, and, and that's not scalable. And this is where Glenn Richards has been amazing for us. Obviously, he's took Green Cross from one to like 200 plus and all the pet barns. So he knows a thing or two about putting framework in for scale. And he's like, it, it, everything needs to be regimented. So... Um, for me, I've never had that conversation, but I think that maybe comes down to setting, yeah. setting the yeah, precedent yeah, yeah. earlier. I love it. Like